Welcome to the Respectful Divorce Podcast. If you're considering a divorce, it's important to know that you have options for how you divorce. On the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we explore those options and provide advice from divorce professionals. On today's edition of the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we're talking with members of Divorce Well Knoxville. Joining us today are Melanie Hogue, an attorney, and Emily Hurd, a divorce coach and mental health professional. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So let's ask, first of all, a a simple question. Divorce Well Knoxville. Uh, What is that? What does that mean? Um, Melanie? Well, we were we are a collaborative divorce group, but we realize that our clients' needs might be a little bit more than just collaborative cases. So Divorce Well Knoxville is a way to engage uh, other professionals um, and maybe have them be associate members of our group that can provide services to our clients. And also it's um, maybe a, a divorce that doesn't need a full collaborative, but maybe needs a cooperative divorce, maybe two attorneys that are collaboratively trained um, that can help them resolve their divorce uh, in, in a way that, again, our goal is for them to have a divorce that leaves them with something they can live with and not have to readdress certain issues. And so we just want to give our customers and our clients as many opportunities and methods to resolve their divorce in a way that um, it leaves them with a a positive outcome that they can live with. So, So Emily, divorcing well, how do you divorce well? Is there, and, and can you really do that? Great question. And the answer I would say is absolutely yes, you can. With the the right approach and the right mindset by the clients who choose to divorce in ways that are more amicable, more solution-oriented, they want to get to the other side of this big life event with some of their relationships intact. They want to be able to co-parent well. They want to be able to um, support their children through the the transition and establish a new normal pretty quickly. There are a lot of people out there who want to approach divorce in this way, and then they find themselves getting sucked into the litigation route of divorce, especially if the lawyers that they initially meet with don't educate them on the many ways that they can get divorced outside of litigation. And so it's important that one, the the people have the right intention and the mindset to do this. And then two, you support, surround yourself with the professionals who also adopt that mindset that we are going to help you get through this difficult time in a way that doesn't destroy your family. So Emily, as the professional uh, in a case, as a divorce coach, what does that mean that you do? Yeah. So the divorce coach has a lot of different roles that they play with within a case. Um, first and foremost, it is helping the the two adults communicate well throughout this process, kind of being a facilitator of communication for the two adults and then the other members of the team. One way that I like to describe a divorce coach's role is as a project manager. So someone who is making sure that all the steps are happening from start to finish in a case and 
strategizing the timeline for those things so that it helps lower the anxiety about what's happening next and where are things going to go and when are things going to be resolved for the clients. Uh, there are there may be some uh, mental health issues that I help the clients with. You know, divorce is a high time of stress and anxiety and grief, and there's a lot of emotions going on. So I help them process those in a way that keeps them moving forward. And then I just help the the team um, function well throughout our time together so that we can keep everything moving forward and stay solution oriented. I was just going to add as a pro the project manager is a great lab label. Um, when I've had divorces, uh, collaborative divorces, the divorce coach is really instrumental in making sure when we leave one meeting, we have another one scheduled that we know what topics are going to be covered. Uh, and, and it helps uh, it helps keep the clients grounded in what to expect next, which, again, uh, taking out the unknown is, is very helpful in getting through this process. So, Melanie. Uh as as an attorney, uh, you're trained to go into court and fight for some positions. How is your how is your role as an attorney in a collaborative case different from the mindset that you have going into court? Well, it's it, it is a very um, you know cooperative type of. Uh, of effort, uh, you know, like for instance, instead of expecting that I'm going to have to drag financial details out from the other side, I know that both attorneys that are trained collaboratively, we're going to work with a financial neutral who is going to evaluate the information and provide it to both of us. And I don't have that kind of um, of as a fear going into it that it's going to be difficult to get that information because we all agree to it once we start. Uh, the the other thing is, and again, the divorce coach is really helpful about making sure when you step into the role as a collaborative attorney, um, you are still advocating for your client. You are not losing that that role that you play, but you're doing it in a way to help them achieve the goals that they've set, and those goals are to reach resolution. So you're you're still advocating, you're still representing their interest, but you're doing it in a way to achieve goals that they've designated rather than coming into it, assuming the other side is going to be aggressive and um, uh, not participate well in the, the process. So you mentioned the financial uh, neutral. Uh, what does a what does a financial neutral do as part of the collaborative team? Initially, what we will do, like we, we have to sign an agreement and part of that agreement maintains that we are going to uh, participate in disclosure of financial details. And the financial neutral is the one that gathers that information and um, basically puts it in a way that we can utilize it to reach a resolution. Uh, they might even produce some models of uh, some proposed um ways that the the financial assets could be distributed or what might happen if the house is sold versus if one party keeps the house. Um, but their job is to provide us with options, uh, not 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 proposals. That, I think that's a, a good way of looking at it. Uh, and 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 the end result here um, is different from going to court in that, uh, a judge tells you the end result, but in a collaborative case, the clients are the ones who really craft the the end result. Am, am, am I correct with that? Yes. Um, 
Uh, it, it, the the clients control uh, the the process and the resolution. Um, it is with a lot of helping hands, but yes, uh, that is one of the major differences. Is and also controls the timeline. Uh, you know, there there may be a need to gather more information, or maybe there's something that needs to be appraised, or uh, something that you know requires a little bit more time. And if both parties recognize that, then we know how to set the meetings to achieve those goals. Um, but yeah, the the process. Um, is definitely you're not in the throes of trying to get a court date, uh, which if you're in a city that has a busy family law section, then sometimes that, you know, you might be ready to go and you go to get a court date and it's months off. And then that's that's difficult for clients to live with uh, that, the unknown. Uh, whereas if you're doing a collaborative divorce, then it's a matter of setting up the next meeting. Um. Emily, you want to add anything to, to that end result question? Yeah, the end result, really one of the major benefits of, of doing collaborative or some of these other out-of-court models for divorce is that the clients are in, in the driver's seat of the decision-making. And clients and families often find themselves in post-divorce litigation, meaning that they're going back to court years later to fight over decisions that were made in their original divorce when a judge decided it for them. And so one of the, the benefits is lowering the chances that you're going to end up in post-divorce litigation. But also this is, you know, this is your life. This is the client's life. And you, them, can be empowered to make decisions that are going to result in a life that you can live with after the divorce. Now, no one gets everything that they want in divorce, regardless of the, of the type of divorce path that you use. But if you are the one sitting there and making decisions on behalf of your own life and on behalf of what is going to work for your family, the, the great thing about collaborative is we take all of the unique situations and factors that apply to your family and find creative solutions that are going to work for you, then you feel much more in control and you have ownership of those decisions. And this is you are building the next chapter in a way that you want to. So um, the collaborative process, what attracted you each to this? Why did why did you decide this was an area that you wanted to get involved with? Well, I um, I enjoy mediation. So mediation is a process we practice in Tennessee. And I mean, I practice in Tennessee and their mediation is required uh, before you go to court uh, for divorces. And um, that is a, a method that I enjoyed. And when I started practicing in Knoxville, uh, the collaborative group was, uh, they were doing a training and I had uh, been, been uh, exposed to it when I practiced in New Hampshire, but I didn't join the collaborative group there, but I liked the idea of it. So when I saw that the concept was in Tennessee, I decided to take the training. Um, and to be honest, it also attracts the attorneys that I enjoy participating with in divorces. Um, if, if you are going to be collaboratively trained and hold yourself out, there's a there's a certain mindset. And so I very much, even if it's not a collaborative case, when I have a divorce and one of my collaborative members is on the other side, I can pretty confidentially, you know, pretty confidently tell my client, 
this this will be a, a better experience than it would be with some other attorneys. So the the type of an attorney that it it attracts is appealing to me. And then the process of, again, leaving people um, with a resolution they can live with, I think, is 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 key. You know, I I want my clients to be able to avoid going back to court or going back to uh, agreeing on something that could have been addressed earlier. And I think the collaborative process provides the opportunity to really look at a lot of options and fashion something that's going to fit a particular family. Um, Emily, how about you? How did you come to the collaborative world? When I first started my career as a, as, as a therapist, I worked with children and uh, through different relationships I made with attorneys that are now in this collaborative group, they started referring um, high conflict divorce cases to me where I was the therapist for children who were in the middle of these high conflict divorces. And these parents were bringing the kids to me and, you know, the, the focus was on what the other parent is or is not doing and the mental distress that those parents were causing the children. And it became pretty clear to me that it, it is not the children in these situations that are the ones that really need counseling and support. And I started to look at the, the effects of the court system on these cases and the types of legal maneuvers that the attorneys would make. And so when one of my colleagues said to me, hey, why don't you come to this collaborative divorce training? I thought to myself, there's no way I want to be a part of um, counseling adults in high conflict divorces that are going going through this process. Um, but she said, just keep an open mind, come see what it's about. And so I went to the training and it, there was a light bulb that went on that was like, this can be a part of the, the solution to keeping children out of high conflict divorces, to keeping them out of the middle of the stress and um, all the, ex the mental health issues that happen when kids are in the middle of these awful divorces that go on for years and years. And so that's what attracted me is that I don't want to be a part of the system that is more damaging to the kids and the families. I want to be a part of the solution to that problem. We're doing uh, the podcast today in advance of Divorce with Respect Week. And uh, Divorce with Respect Week is an opportunity for people who are facing the reality of divorce to do a free consultation between March 4th and 8th. If somebody were to uh, schedule to do a consultation with you, uh, and Melanie, I'll ask you first, how should they prepare for that initial consultation? Well, initially, um, especially for a, a first consultation, I don't know if there is really a lot of like I'm, I'm not expecting clients to necessarily come to me with a um, affidavit of their assets and debts. I mean, I really want to hear about uh, kind of what they see as uh, possible areas of conflict and what they see as things they can agree on. If children are involved, you know, I, I, it would be a good idea to have in mind um, perhaps a uh, a schedule or something that might work if for that family. Uh, but those are the kind of things I I wouldn't want someone that's coming for an initial uh, 
consultation to feel like they have to do that much prep. I would be the one that would be asking, you know, questions about uh, kind of what what issues are in their particular situation and what their goals are. You know, what are the kind of things they're looking to come out of this with? And like I said, and also what they see as kind of the pitfalls, what where they see we both want the house, or I'm not sure if we agree exactly on the schedule for the children. Those are the kind of things that I want to kind of talk with them about and get an idea of, of I, I will be honest, when you're doing a consult for collaborative, there's some, a little bit of screening going on. You know, you're looking to see if there are um, any any uh, barriers to doing a collaborative divorce uh, and things like if there's a, a situation where I feel like the parties really have lost the ability to communicate or trust each other. On, on a very high level, you know, you that might be something that we talk about. But basically, I want them to have the opportunity to tell me about what their goals are and what they hope to achieve out of a divorce. And I assume what that also means is that you're uh, helping them to understand the different process options that are available to them. That's right. Yes, of course. Yeah, like I said, I, collaborative cases, that that's a tool. And I think that it's very effective. And Again, the people that seek out collaborative divorces usually re recognize that they have some level of communication they still have with their their spouse. So that's good. But yeah, talk about the op and, and what collaborative law, law collaborative uh, divorce involves uh, the neutrals that are involved, the divorce coach, the financial neutrals, and the process that we go through um, and. You know, also something that's uh, important, I think, is time frame and, you know, what it's a, a likely time frame, depending on what issues they have in their case. And so, Emily, if, if somebody's sitting down with a divorce coach in that first conversation, uh, are there things that uh, they should be prepared for or how will you handle that that first consultation? So typically in the first consultation, I ask them kind of similar to, to Melanie's question, you know, what are your what are your goals? What do you want this divorce experience to be like? And I don't expect them to come prepared with a whole lot. A lot of people are, you know, very anxious or uncertain. There's an overwhelming amount of information when they start Googling things. And so I just I, I just want them to show up and Part of it is me asking questions about their circumstances, about what has led to this point in their story. Um, you know, what are what is important to them, if there are any kids. And I kind of get a, a picture of where they are in their life and what they want this divorce experience to be like. And then I do talk about I go into a lot of education about the different divorce options. And my goal in that first consultation is really to help them just figure out that next step. What is the next step that you need to take in order to move this forward? And that might be me talking to their spouse about collaborative divorce or different options outside of litigation. It might mean referring them to an attorney. It might mean um, setting them up with a financial expert. It's, it's really, what is the next step? Because when we start Looking at the entire big picture, that's where it gets very overwhelming for people. All right. Melanie Hogue and Emily Hurd, thank you for joining us today on the Respectful Divorce Podcast. Thank you, Tim. This reminder that um, a Divorce with Respect Week is coming up March 4th through 8th. 
You can get more information about Divorce with Respect Week by going to divorcewithrespectweek.com. You can learn more about collaborative divorce in the Knoxville area by going to divorcewellknoxville.com. And we're going to put a link to both of those websites in the show notes. I'm Tim Crouch reminding you that collaborative divorce is a better way to untie the knot.